Chapter Three of Lancashire Characters and Places by Thomas Newbigging. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Edwin War. The soil of Lancashire has not been prolific of many poets of extraordinary power. Good writers of verse there are and have been in abundance, and for the multitude and fecundity of its minor poets and rhymers, perhaps Lancashire eclipses every other county in the United Kingdom but the true poetical genius here as elsewhere has been but rare in its manifestations it will scarcely be questioned that edwin waugh is the foremost poet that the county palatine has hitherto produced the nervous vigour and beauty of his style his freshness and originality and the power which he evinces of embodying the everyday life of lancashire all these and other unnamed qualities attest the presence of a poet of most excellent genius in the fullest sense war is a true son of lancashire his best productions whether in poetry or prose for he is equally at home in both are written in the dialect of the county and in no other garb would they have been so powerful to impress the minds and touch the hearts of the people the larger portion of his volume of poems and songs published in eighteen sixty one and dedicated to his distinguished townsman john bright consists of pieces written in ordinary english which had he produced no other would have given him a niche in the temple of the muses these however as a whole lack the originality and power and also that quality of abounding humour which so greatly distinguishes poems in the dialect and it is doubtless owing to this that they are eclipsed by the latter in the esteem of the public excellent however many of the poems are rich in lofty sentiment patriotic in tone breathing thoughts full of honest independence and warm with sympathy for the poor his descriptions of nature under different aspects are fresh and true showing how observant he was of her various moods there is in addition to all these qualities a wealth of graceful imagery and a facility of expression about his poems in english which make their perusal a delight the one entitled nightfall is chaste and sweet the soft wind whispers on its moody way the plumy woodlands in the moonlight play night's tapers gleam in the gliding stream heaven's eyes are watching while the earth doth dream decay that in my very breath doth creep thou surely art akin to this soft sleep that shows the way to a bed of clay whose wakeless slumbers close the mortal day and thus with ceaseless roll time's silent wave lands me each night upon a mimic grave whose soft repose hints at life's close death's fleets are cruising where life's current flows eloquent and suggestive lines these full of true poetry also is the little poem entitled time is flying oh what is life but duty's strife a drill a watchful sentry's round a brief campaign for deathless gain a bivouac on battleground an arrow's flight a taper's light a fitful day of sun and cloud a flower a shade a journey made between a cradle and a shroud oh what is death a swordless sheath a jubilee a mother's call a kindly breast that offers rest unto the poorest of us all the wretched's friend oppression's end the outcast shelter from the cold to regions dim the portal grim where misers leave their loads of gold a voyage o'er a misty shore with time-wrecked generations strown 
where each mad age has spent its rage upon a continent unknown his moorland flower is an exquisite little poem and his christmas song the captain's friends here's to my native land to the rose-tree on my window-sill and several other of his english pieces are worthy to be more widely known and appreciated but as a poet in the vernacular of his native county of lancaster edwin waugh reigns without a rival all his songs without exception betray distinctive marks of uncommon poetic genius they possess throughout a sustained breadth and excellence of character not always found in the writings of even our greatest poets in descriptive and in dramatic power many of war's lancashire songs approach perfection they are medallic in their workmanship and finish having their obverse and reverse minted with exquisite skill beautiful substantial rich and with that genuine ring which bespeaks the kingly metal there is such a completeness about some of the verses that they impress us with the idea of spontaneous growth rather than of constructive art of growth from a luxurious soil rich in the elements of which beauty and the twin sisters humour and pathos are compounded by reason of their proverbial terseness and pungency they linger upon the mind and are there ready for quotation and application in most of the songs there are scintillations of humour which strike the mind with sudden surprise and these sometimes glide naturally into the domain of the truest pathos whilst the pathetic again merges into the humorous but often there is such a delicate blending of the two in the same quatrain that the reader under the feelings of quiet pleasure that have been excited in his breast turns again to peruse the sentiments which he feels contain that touch of nature that makes the whole world kin in his didactic moods the author of come warm to the childer and me is equally happy he can preach a sermon in a line and wrap the soul in meditative thought let me illustrate this take the following verse from the song while taking a whiff to my pipe when nobbut a lifetime a piece here below and the longest is very soon spent there's some at a boon measures cuts for us o and the most on em nobbut a faint long or short rough or fine little matter for that we'n make the best of the stuff till it's done and when it leaks out to get riven a bit let's darn it as weel as we can when thorder comes to us to doff these old clothes they'll surely be new uns to don what a fine energising spirit of independence there is here but indeed the whole poem of which this verse is the last is overflowing with homely wisdom bravely and beautifully and tenderly expressed we are often apt to exclaim and not without reason that sermonising is a weariness of the flesh but who would think of applying the remark to the following bit of quaint philosophy from the song tickle times but life sitch a queer bit o travel a marlock wi sun and wi shade and then on a bowster o gravel they lane as he bed wi a spade one feels now at times a sore nippin a mon's at a troublesome scoo that slaves like a horse for a livin and flings it away like a foo but as pleasures sometimes a misfortin and trouble sometimes a good thing though we live in other floor same as layrocks we go up like layrocks to sing and as more particularly illustrating the blending together of the humorous with the pathetic take the well-known verse from come warm to the childer and me 
where the poor wife is describing to her husband the difficulty she had in getting the children to rest for the night the little ones longing to sit up until their truant father should come home and dick too o'd sit wark wi him afore o could get him upstairs they told him they'd bring him a drum he said when he was saying his prayers then he looked in me face and he said as the boggarts taen out o my dad and he cried till his een were quite red he likes thee some well does yon lad and again from god bless these poor folk one of the very choicest of his songs and for the possession of which we are grateful it has the ripple and the sparkle of a clear swift flowing river bright with sunshine in the open and beautiful in the shade but whether in the sunshine of its hearty humour or in the shaded recesses of its kindly sympathy and manly pathos we beat time to the music of its singing this world's kin to trouble i the best on't there's money sad changes come round we wander about to find rest on't and the worm yammers for us i the ground may he that'll watch while he's able be never long hungry nor dry and the childer at sit at his table god bless em we plenty say i and he that can feel it a pleasure to leet and misfortune and pain may his pantry be all as full measure to cut at and come to again may god bless his cup and his cuppet a theason for one that he gives and his heart be a bumper of comfort to the very last minute he lives and he that scorns ale to his victual is welcome to let it alone there some can be wise with a little and some that are foolish with none and some are so queer in their nature that nought with their stomachs agree but he that would leave for drink waiter shall never be stinted by me the man that is foolish with none is well known to all of us the verse last quoted is not even grammatical and it is not every one that will be able to agree with its teaching but the droll way in which war puts his view of the matter is unsurpassable again one likes to see hearty folks watching and weary folk having a rest one likes to hear poor women singing to the little things laid on their breast good cooks are my favourite doctors good livers my parson shall be as ony poor crater at's clemming may come have a mouthful wi me then come the inimitable lines owd time is a troublesome codger keeps nudging us on to decay and whispers you're no but a lodger get ready for going away and in tum rindle who tired a cowering i the chimbley nook and wasting time i thinking resolves to have a merry-making and so enumerates the friends and neighbours he intends to invite and the lads and lasses they shan sing and foot it leet and limber and robin lilter he shall bring his merry bit o timber and joe shall come and joan and ben and poor owd limping liger and mal and sal and fan and nan and curly pated biger and gentle charlie shall be there and little dick the ringer and most and sam or like to hear a snowy-headed singer but similar examples might be multiplied from every one of his poems and songs in the dialect his lyre touched with the flame of brotherly sympathy and baptized with the milk of human kindness dispenses thoughts full of homely wisdom and tender beauty war has a warm side for poor folk and a kindly word for poor folk's children he is familiar with the peculiar hardships that attend the lot of working people 
of those who, maintained by the labour of their hands, and comfortable while such labour and its fruits are continued to them, are yet many of them constantly and unavoidably hovering on the confines of poverty. The inspiration of some of his best songs is due to the sympathetic impulses thus awakened within his breast. War has been compared to Burns, and in his sympathy for the poor, as well as in the manly independence of spirit displayed in his writings, he is not unlike his great prototype. His songs, though differing in their diction and general style from the songs of Burns, resemble the latter not a little in their naturalness, their truthful qualities, their humour, and the insight into human nature which they evince. Truth to nature is the prevailing characteristic of War's best writings, whether in poetry or prose. It is this, as it is in all the great productions of literature, that gives them their ineffable charm, and stamps them as of superlative value. Commonplace as are the subjects, and many of the characters he describes and depicts, they are yet so full of material nature and of human nature that we instinctively feel and say that here are the great mother's handiwork and superscription. Is he describing natural scenery? We see it in every moor, in every clough and valley and highway. Does he descend to details in his description of the landscape? Then every tuft of heather, every moorland and wayside flower, the twittering birds, the rindling stream, the twilight gloom, the near and distant sounds, all serve as illustrations of his story. Is human character the theme of his pen? Who can fail to realise the subject of the picture and embody the curious specimen of humanity that is portrayed with cunning hand? War's writings offer a wide field for the illustrator's art, and yet there is no writer who needs illustrating less, for in his choicest pieces, either prose or verse, every page is bright with pictures that appeal with overwhelming force to the imaginative faculty of the reader, and spontaneously produce the embodiment in the mind's eye. But though it may be said that few writers are more susceptible of graphic illustration than war, this is a remark that must not be made without amplification. The artist who would aspire to adequately fulfil the task should possess in large degree the characteristic genius of the Lancashire poet himself and a close personal knowledge of the characters and scenery that form the subject of his pen. Otherwise he will fail in the accomplishment of his object, and will fail also to satisfy the exactions of the appreciative reader. The humour of War's purely humorous songs is intensified and deepened by his strict adherence to truth in the delineation of character. There is an entire absence of burlesque in his representations, he never distorts nature to compel laughter. Take Oud Pinder as a case in point. Oud Pinder, who always cracked a dean at the end of every drinking do. The humour of the piece is irresistibly droll, yet there is no straining of parts, no exaggeration of failings or deformities to heighten the effect of the picture. We are perfectly familiar with the characters, both Pinder and Matty. They are essentially Lancashire, and may be found in almost every town in the county palatine. Come, Matty, come and cool my head, or finish to my thinking, who apt him nicely up and said, Thy's brought it on we drinking. Nay, nay, said he, my fuddle's done. We partin' to one for t'other. So promise me that when I'm gone, thou'll never wed another. Thou'd tail, said who, and laughter stoo. It's really past believing. 
he think of the world thou art going to and leave this world to the living what use to me can deed folk be thou's kilt thysel wi spreein and if that's all thou wants wi me get forrard wi thee deein the same remarks apply to our folk perhaps the best known and most generally admired of his lancashire pieces every verse of which is a portrait from the life for example er tummy's tain to preachin is a topper at it too but then what's the use a bill comes in and swears it will not do then twan's been strivin oi con to order wicked men then t'other may some marlocks and converts em o'er again er abel's the youngst and next to joe my mother likes him t best who gives him brass a booney's share to keep him nicely dressed he's gettin him with a quality and when his clarkin's done he's allers o'er the cricketin a shootin wi a gun war's writings in prose are irregular in merit some of them are scarcely worthy of his pen others again are equal if not superior to any of his poetical pieces and they're a perfect mine of wealth to the student of lancashire life and manners it was inevitable that he should have written much that is barely worth preserving unfortunately the exigencies of living exact a continual production of literary work from our writers the temptations to meet the demand are great so that even genius is often frittered away in the effort to maintain the supply if i might venture to point out what i consider the foremost productions of war's fertile pen i should instance the whole of the earlier songs in the dialect of these i would scarcely be inclined to make an exception in the prose writings i would select the Bertle carter's tale portions of besom ben the old fiddler wherein is described the dance of lobden ben in tufts of heather in the barrel organ there is abundant broad humorous description throughout though the piece as a whole is unequal in merit the sketch to which i should be inclined to allot the foremost place is the Bertle carter's tale about owd bodle for something to awaken the risible faculties commend me to this story of wars but the rollicking exploit of owd bodle in ascending the chimney admirably as it is described is the least excellent portion of the whole the racy humour and vivid presentment of character contained in the introduction and epilogues so to speak are not surpassed in any sketch of similar length in the language inferior in some of its parts to bodle is the story of besom ben taken as a whole however it is an excellent piece of work and as fresh and fragrant as the heather that in the springtime of the year surrounds ben's moorland home the finest portions of the story are contained in the first four chapters and in the last three the intermediate two would bear pruning with advantage in his similes war is often exceedingly happy for instance and it is only one out of a thousand take the description from besom ben of the death of owd wisp hast o yerd about owd wisp no the owd lad tippet over about ten o'clock this forenoon nay sure is he gone what did he dee on oh he deed quite natural they never had no doctor to him their nose is very nee ninety he went off at the end of all just like a bit of a chilt falling asleep in its cather ay ay and is the owd lad off warm then at last ay his daughter told me at dinner time who sit bith bedside tentin him about nine o'clock this forenoon and who settled his pillow for him and axed him how he felt and he towed her to ailt nought 
but one to rest and then he turned his head quietly o one side wi' his bit o' thont under his cheek and he said oh, i feel as if i could sleep now mary so i held him up and oo cropped out and made him some gruel and when oo come back wi it oo looked to see how he were getting on his cheek lee above his aunt just same and his een were shut like a bible when the service is o'er mary thought it a good sign so oo sit a quietly down again bith the bedside to wait till he wackent but oo met a waited long the owd lad had doze it off into another world like a cinder cooling at the bottom of a fire greater than eat time war has an intense and abiding love for the moorlands the sweet brown moorlands bleak and dun and this feeling is constantly finding expression throughout his writings both in poetry and prose his descriptions of moorland scenery and associations may be worthily classed with those given by charlotte bronte in her immortal work about war's pictures however there is less of austere grandeur than is found in those of the author of jane eyre he prefers to depict them when nature has assumed its holiday attire and when the heather bell is gemmed with early dew before war began to write his homely idylls it was little believed that the rugged and to many unattractive vernacular of lancashire was capable of conveying thoughts clothed in so much either of tender beauty or of masculine vigour and to his genius